Emma, banana free Is there opportunity? Broken records of the past Does anything really last? And welcome to episode 74 of the Romantic About Baseball podcast. I am your host, Adam C. McKinnon. Joining me today is Craig Goldstein, Editor-in-Chief at Baseball Prospectus. Craig, how are you? I'm doing all right. How are you doing, Adam? I'm doing well. I I, I was uh, doing some research and I listened to a podcast. This is not to call out any other podcast that did it, but they distinctly said Baseball Perspective and it I was so worried it was going to worm yep. its way into my head and because I thought that's just silly. But I had this like moment where I was like, oh, don't say it. It's like, don't, don't slip on the ice. Don't slip on the ice. Yeah. Uh, don't. Yeah. I, I remember someone say, I don't actually even remember which one at this point. We, you, can, you can tell me off there if you remember. Cause I it was, don't. It was, but I do remember it being said. Yeah. It was, um, it was, it was a very, a gentleman who commented on, on your Jewishness quite, quite early on in the, in the, Oh, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now I, now I remember you're doing some real research. Uh, clearly I, I say, uh, I, I'll go on anyone's podcast at this point. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no baseball perspective. I mean, that's a good name. Someone out there could, could take that maybe a little ri- uh, rider brand action, uh, he, baseball perspective. It's out there. That's you true. Have, you can do it. You know, it, and it's funny too. Like that's, I feel like that's a real missed opportunity for me. Had I not seen Moneyball as early as I did, I could have jumped right on that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so I, I just wanted to start off with an easy question if I could, um, you know, what do you think, this is an easy question. So what do you think causes fans more consternation, Rob Manfred or their team's Pagoda projections? <laughs> uh, I'll tell you which one I hear about more. <laughs> uh, I, I hope, I hope it's Rob Manfred. I, I hope, uh, no one should take a model that, you know, a projection model that seriously, I think. Uh, I think, and I think at this point, you know, given that there's uh, canceled games and a lockout and all of that uh, still ongoing, I'm going to say it's Rob Manfred. On a, uh, you know, on, on in other years, uh, I think people would prefer not to think about Rob Manfred. I'd prefer not to think about Rob Manfred. But, I, I think we you know, all think we about <laughs> Rob Manfred just collectively, just a little, a little too much, like... That that dude is not a front facing uh, person, and he sh- and uh, when he is, it's it's kind of like um, I always say at work because I'm a software engineer and, and nobody calls me when things are going well. Right. It's like, hey, call up Adam. Everything's yeah. working perfectly. Yeah. Somebody, somebody, you know what? You know what Adam hasn't gotten in a while? A compliment. Let's let's throw <laughs> one his way. You know. I think, do you want to compliment Rob? Do you do you think there's something you could throw him a bone on? That's a hard pass. His golf sw- his golf <laughs> swing didn't look so bad. His backswing didn't look so bad in that picture. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, he, he looked like he was having more fun practicing that than anything else he's done in the last few years. You so. know, I think I said it, it messaged you earlier, like you know, hey, I want to avoid the talking points, but it's so hard because you know what. What has happened here is that, and I and I think you know you can really draw this different, the stark difference, you know, uh, between like 1994 and this uh, situation, is that we are so plugged into this. Every mm-hmm. single step is analyzed, looked at, vetted or not vetted, depending if you're if you work for ESPN or not, and not <laughs> excluding Jeff Passan. But like when you talk about how diff- the discourse around all of this 
one thing I have been sort of encouraged by is this sort of borderline unanimous short of the, uh, you know, the, uh, the meme with all the, the pictures of pictures, white guys with selfies in their cars and all that uh-huh. outside uh-huh. of that group. I'm, I'm really kind of heartened by the unified or unanimous narrative, uh, or at least the collective agreement that the owners are pretty shitty. Yeah, I, you know, I think it's interesting. I actually just, I, I talked uh, yesterday on the phone for a little bit with a, with a media reporter who was kind of looking at that angle uh, as, a, as a possibility for, for an article. And I, I think that's true in our corner of, of the internet, of Twitter, of, uh, you know, our websites, and the ones that, you know, like you've, you've talked to Joe recently and, and others. Um, and I'm assuming you, you give me a I'm assuming she has. Um, he's hit on uh, multiple times. Is the, the bubble that we live in is not like if you look at the the replies to Mike Trout's post about uh, you know supporting the union and and essentially solidarity. Uh, it's not great. You know, it's not as unanimous as you, you know, like the, the there's certainly a, a section of media and something I've noticed is that, you know, you've got guys like Bill Shaken at the LA Times who is, who's pretty, you know, pretty much just a straightforward, you know, reporter. And I think he right. does good work. I don't, I'm not trying to use that, but he's not generally injecting his commentary or necessarily a lot of, uh, analysis via commentary in in his pieces and he wrote a piece uh a couple days ago that was like here's what rob manford should have said uh he's written explainers of the issues uh you know in for the la times that that is very fact-based it is not you know this is not a lot of his commentary or his opinion uh but it is very slanted towards uh towards the players because the facts are slanted towards the players in 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 reality here and i think you know, there's there's been opinion columnists at like the Denver Post uh, who have been really hard on Dick Monfort. Obviously, that's the, yeah. the local guy and, and Rob Manfred. And it's really interesting to me to see that level of coverage from national outlets. Obviously, the the athletic has been aside from the the occasional uh, Bowden bomb uh, has Gosh. been very hard on on the league and on Manfred. And when I say hard, I you know, all of this. In, you know, from my perspective, and, and it sounds like from yours, like justified. I mean, this yeah. is all this is all very justified, very earned. But it is, uh, you know, it's just it, it is a departure from certainly and, and guys like Joe Sheehan and, and others can, you know, break out the terror. Others could take you back to 94 very easily. And, and the coverage that that the strike received and it was not nearly getting the the it wasn't people seeking the understanding of the issues. It was more about just here's someone you can blame. Yeah. And I'm sure Craig uh, and Joe would love that. You just said that they could easily take you back to 94. I'm sure, I'm sure they would love that. (laughs) Well, you know, just as a, you know, just as a reference point, I was eight years old, so I could take you back, but I don't think I was reading the paper headline. Oh man. We're the, we're the same age. All right. So I, this is, this is the, this is, this is the, all right. Our comfort, uh, comfort levels just busting through here. Uh, What I, you know what I find really interesting is yeah like you're what I what I was concerned about is the as the Oakland's razor concept where you know you were I was a little worried that the owner's side was going to be try to be presented with equal weight 
And then we mm-hmm. would end up with this sort of, you know, this sort of Fox News effect where you have, uh, you know, our side is has to be presented as legitimate because it's just a differing viewpoint. I mean, it seems right. pretty clear. This is not this is not subjective. This is not you know, this is not a, uh, a debate or, the, you know, there's a pretty clear baseline, I guess, you know, right. and right. I and I get it. There will always be folks. It is the social media world. This is the world we live. This is America. This is America. So there's going to be discerning viewpoints on whether, you know, the color of the sky is blue. But I think uh, what that's one thing I've taken away from this is that there seems to be and I get it. Our Twitter timelines are very curated. Sure. You know, yeah, yeah exactly. Absolutely. So that's that. But I, I am heartened to not see that that Okrin's razor sort of thing where like the there's one side they're trying to equalize the sides, which it seemed right. like was a symptom of 94 where the news coverage was much more limited. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. I mean, you do you do see examples of it. You mentioned ESPN. There was a the, an ESPN thing today, the, the MLBPA. Uh, and AFL CIO came out and said we're putting a million dollars towards the workers who are affected by this lockout, you know, stadium workers and, and concession workers and people like that. Um, and 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 the ESPN reporter said, I checked with the MLB and they're also doing that. <laughs> and then and then the ESPN headline was MLB, MLBPA to support. And it's like, well, okay, one of them came out with like a, a co-branded statement that said, here's how we're doing this. And the other one said, yes, to eventually uh and what it was kind of given equal weight um but i think that is is far less often than i'd have even assumed it would be heading into this right i i would have you know you said it was a fear it was a fear of mine as well uh just that the the coverage would be uh yeah i mean an attempt to be balanced in a situation that is not balanced and and one thing i'm really big on is you know i will say look i'm i'm you know, very open about my bias. My bias is towards the players in this because I think the players deserve it. Uh, if I didn't think that, I wouldn't be, you know, it, it's it's about where I'm coming from. But also, as I said before, kind of the facts line up with the players. I think the PA and the players uh, spin things where they can. Uh, I think if you line up the players spin and the owners spin and, and took the, the things that we actually know, if you run the numbers, if you look at the facts, uh, it's going to line much more on one side than the other. And that's the, that's just the reality of it. Right. Exactly. And can, can I tell you my favorite, my favorite thing I've ever read on an ESPN column was from my favorite ESPN reporter, note sarcasm, uh, Buster Olney, who decided that it somehow this made it to copy where it, where he said, quote, is it possible the union would be better served by a wiener style engagement? Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I have never seen that. Yeah, um, no, that, that was his I'm column. going to incorporate. <laughs> I'm going to incorporate wiener style engagement uh, into my lexicon. Of course, ab- ab- absolutely no disrespect intended toward the late union leader Michael Wiener. But when no. you when you say those words in that juxtaposition. Like, I don't know. It's just, come on, Buster. Like, don't give me more. I I would say what's made the, what's made the union upset is uh, a Wiener style engagement, uh, uh, you know, from ownership. Yes, exactly. (laughs) See, I think that's really, (laughs) that's really, I would say that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Real, real stiff Wiener style engagement. (laughs) Um, But look, I mean, this, the thing is, is that 
this is one thing that I think we're not, maybe a point that we're not talking about enough in this. And, we, and it's been hinted at in a sort of frustrated haze, but maybe maybe we can put some context around it. The lockout's about money, obviously, and that's the focal <laughs> point of the discussion, justifiably. But one thing that I keep thinking about is what it could cost the players in terms of on-field statistical contributions. So let's say like under the supposition we get an opening day in late May, early June. Let's just let's just work off that supposition. For this year what and looking forward, I'm starting to think milestones start to come into question. We're talking about things like, you know, somebody said very justifiably we're wasting prime Shohei Otani and Mike Trout seasons under Artie Moreno, both of them, of, as if, you know, Alanis Morissette is not just screaming from the mountaintop. But like, what do you think has come from, is there anything you could see as something like that was likely now being sort of downgraded into like a probable or questionable or what's the sort of statistical ripple effect we could see here? I think it's, I think it's tough because you're it, – it, it's, it's tough to, you know, get people to uh, kind of internalize the, the thing that you're asking, which I think is a, is a valid concern because you're essentially asking them to feel or, or to understand a loss that isn't occurring. Do you know what I mean? We're losing something that hasn't had a chance to manifest. And that's, that's a really hard concept for people to wrap their head around. And the other part is because of the way that, that teams have started using players in general, the things that have generally been big milestones, uh, there aren't a ton of people near, right? Like there's not, you know, so one example from 94 uh, is that, Uh, Peter Angelos refused to uh, use replacement players where everyone else was going to uh, because not only because he was actually a, 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 um, an attorney, like a labor attorney, Mm -hmm. but uh, in a, in a past life, but because Cal Ripken had a consecutive game streak Mm -hmm. that we obviously know how that worked. And, you know, he was, he was years away from, from, you know, holding the record on his own, but, Angelos, I think, understood what that meant and what it meant to the fans and and what it would mean for him monetarily to to have right. that streak occurring, right? And so that was a factor in his in his thinking. And I don't think you know, again, like guys get rest days more often. I don't think that's a bad thing uh, to to not kind of grind these guys down. There aren't that many <laughs> Garrigs and Ripkins. Um, so I think it's good that guys get rest days, but you know, they, they don't go as long into games for pitchers. So you don't see the the 20 win pitchers, which means you don't see 300 win pitchers, those, those kind of rounded off milestones that we're used to and meaningful. Um, those things have in a lot of ways fallen by the wayside. And I think that, you know, if, if you want to be conspiratorial about it, uh, those things like wins and, and innings and all these things are used to, to pay players in arbitration. Uh, they're evaluated in free agency. There, you know, there's, there might be an intentionality uh, or, or a, you know, what, they, what teams see as an added benefit, right? Like this is all gravy on top of, on top of uh, sometimes keeping guys healthier or getting better performance when they are pitching or, or, or playing and are healthy. Uh, we also get to pay them less in the process. It's a it's a win win for us and a you know, not so much for them. Yeah. Uh, so so I think you know th- there are ways to look at it um, 
none of them particularly good, but there are a few different angles to, to look at kind of the, the way this is impacting statistics. I think with the 2020 season, they prorated stats out and they protect it. They obviously players got a full service year or a prorated service year for that 60 game season. Um, and, and they kind of resolved that issue with it, you know, resolved. It was, it was in the original agreement that the owners then took issue with, but it, it was resolved. Um, I think, you know, when we're looking at putting games back on the calendar or something like that, this is an, this is a new, now a new point of contention between the PA and the owners. And, you know, Mark Norman wrote a really good piece for us about why this lockout could last longer than, than, you know, anyone may want it to because of these new points of contention that didn't exist prior to the league's kind of self-created and imposed deadline. Right. And, and, you know, sometimes, and cause I was, I thought it was interesting. One of the things that he brought up was the 1890, uh, pirates, the Alleghenies. I think that was his article. Oh, that was Steve Goldman, Steve Goldman. Yeah. I'm sorry. So, yeah. so, but th- this was something that caught my eye because what you see there is a breaking point. What you see there is a, is a significant shift because of this sort the uh, the um uh the unmovability i i had a better word somewhere rattling around in there but like the you see the unmovability and i wonder in today's much faster paced society in a society that has a multitude of options for everything except major sports leagues Mm-hmm. And most particularly, the sort of flag on that on that awful hill is Major League Baseball. I do. I can't help but wonder, like, you know, on one hand, I think, ah, you know, the media needs to play this up. We need to kind of drum, you know, all that. There's another like sort of dark recess of the brain that says, what really could happen? What really would penetrate or what really would put the kink in the armor of ownership would it be a mass exodus of players you know would it be that sort of thing do we see these guys on the uh, mlbtr uh free agents list like you know do we see tim lacastro and and gerard dyson and all these like speedy outfielders that doesn't seem we're going to get to that in a minute but like all these all these guys that like don't really have a, a place on a starting roster do they do something about it? I, I just, I wonder what the, because, you know, of course, the Players League, what what do you think, do you, I'm not asking you to pinpoint pinpoint a breaking point or anything, but, you know, is there anything in there that, do you see that, could you see a situation like that? It's tough for me to imagine, uh, just because of how much money is, is in current baseball. I think it would take uh, a lot of fortitude, uh, someone who has a, a lot of uh, willingness to onboard risk. Um, but, but I don't, I, I just think it's tough to imagine because of, of how things tend to work in this. And if you look at the, the, the history of the players league, which, which Steve's article touches on, it was, it was both extremely su- successful and uh, and not at the same right. time. Uh, so so it was John Montgomery Ward who, who was a player and uh, and a lawyer. Uh, as it turned out, there was like kind of a proto uh, union, uh, the Brotherhood of Baseball Players, and they got fed up with the the National League owners. They that, which had instituted like a hard cap and the reserve clause and all sorts of stuff, and so because they were under contract for life 
they were kind of in a way not under contract at all. Like the, there was nothing, you know, they weren't like multi-year contracts that they were going to have to wait out the end right. of or anything like that. They all just kind of, uh, most of the stars of the national league just left and they formed their own league, the players league. And the players had uh, a portion of ownership in, in a number of the teams and they sought, you know, people to, to run some of the other ones. And they actually outdrew the national league uh, immediately. All the stars uh, were, were in the players league. And so in, in, that sense, it was a wild success. As Steve touches on, uh, they were kind of co-opted uh, by the National League. The, they picked off a bunch of the non-player owned teams or or some of the co-owned teams that had that that uh, the guys who owned the teams who were not players. Uh, and the the players were essentially kind of forced to go back to their to their prior teams. And they, like I said, they were just kind of co-opted or right. kind of. Uh, um, a hostile takeover or something, you know, to, to that effect, uh, which is why it was only one year. But I, I do think, you know, if you look at, at the model, it, you know, there's some success there and you can go back to, to other sports. Um, you know, obviously the, the lawsuit of like the USFL, was it the USFL? Yeah. Um, and, and the NFL, you know, it was settled for very little, but, but there was a lot of benefits for players that came out of that they overpaid players to join that league when it started up and those players came back to the you know eventually came back to the nfl and and player salaries you know expanded and things like that and it shows that what matters and i'm probably going to mention his name a lot uh mark normandon he's he's covered the labor beat for us for for two seasons now uh or this is now the third season kind of um you know, he wrote recently about how what the league is looking to cut off for players is choice because choice means leverage and leverage means more money. And that's really what it's about. Um, I'm I'm unfortunate enough to have gone to business school and they teach you the term uh, BATNA, B-A-T-N-A, which is best alternative to a negotiated agreement. If you have the best alternative to a negotiated agreement, you have the leverage. Yep. And that's the reality. Um, and so I, look to, to go back, I've, I've rambled a little bit and I apologize, uh, for that, but, but rambling answer, on this show, come on, come on but, but to, to, to answer your question. I struggle to see it just because it is, it is a significant departure from the status quo. And, you know, again, even the example that in, in question here, the players league was, um, uh, you know, kind of after one successful season co-opted, uh, by the, by the, by the powers, uh, you know, that be, right. um, I, I think that would probably be how anything might end. I would take it would take a lot of resolve and a lot of unity to avoid something like that. Uh, that's kind of uh, just the how capital tends to work. Uh, but it so I would struggle to see it. But I think it's not as as it's not as big a leap as it maybe sounds like. Especially, yeah. you know, you mentioned kind of the speed at which things move today. I you know I said this online and I, Mark mentioned it in a in another more recent piece, but. If these guys wanted to raise, you know, they they have a a war chest, so to speak, of money that they're going to be paying players out to, you know, maintain solidarity and make sure no one's going, you know, uh, going unpaid at all uh, during this lockout. If if they wanted to refill those coffers, uh, you know, I'd love to see a home run derby tour. I mean, you know, I'm trying to think of games would be nice, but I don't want anyone to get hurt. Right. Uh, but. But, you know, do a home run derby tour, do, you know, figure out some things if you want, maybe Max Scherzer throws an inning, you know, he, I, I think uh, 
Mark said this, you know, see if a normal person can touch it. Yeah, you know, right. <laughs> if you know, pay, have them pay to to take a a swing, uh, yeah. you know, for for a, a single, you know, maybe it's ten people or or take entries, or take like entries that. on Twitter, specifically those who reply to Jeff Fry's account. <laughs> right, right, and it's you know, I I think it's um, you know, there there are a bunch of things that they could do. I said, you know, it'd be cool if they did a home run derby down by Rick uh, Rickwood uh, Field in uh, in Alabama. It's one of the the last I think five Negro League. A stadium still yeah, standing. Right. They could do something that benefits that, and you know, and maybe refills their coffers a little bit, or or just doing things to to make themselves look good in in the press and and in the baseball community. I think there are a lot of opportunities here, and the reality is like, oh, you could sell it maybe to CBS, who's not an MLB partner in any capacity right now. You could sell it to some streaming on online uh, brand potentially, right. um, or. You can t- take a phone and put it on Twitch or on, you know, streaming on Twitter or YouTube or whatever, and just manage it that way. There's a lot of a lot of angles to this that I think the, you know, again, it's not a league, but there are things that they could do to uh, kind of create some some independence in that capacity. Right. Like if Trevor Bauer wasn't a total piece of shit, like you know, it'd be kind of like what he was doing. But I way digress. Uh, please, please, I'm not. I, I edit this show. It's it's my show. But just please don't take that as an endorsement. But yeah, if he wasn't such a piece of shit, he might actually be kind of onto something there. But I digress. yeah. But there are people. You know, there are people who could. You right. Know, and and again, there. Look, the other part is like there are a ton of people who want the the players to succeed who have a lot of these skill sets and capabilities, and and it would not take very much, I have to imagine, to to put something together. Uh, and and look, we've seen uh, one of one of the things that I love every winter is the Bahamian players. Uh, I, I don't know if you watch. They do a home run derby with a bunch oh, yeah. of basically all the players from the Bahamas and a bunch of their friends who who come down. I know MJ Melendez was down there this year. There's some other guys. Um, and they you know, they hit home runs off a off a pier into the, into the yeah. Bahamian waters. And they you know it's streaming on Twitter and and a bunch of other places. And it's just fun and cool. And it's a it's a great event. And they can the players can go do that. Go do that and. And by the way, the day before, the day after, do a clinic for all the kids in in the Bahamas. Again, there are a million ways to make yourself look good and get something you want in the process here. Right. And and yeah, like I said, there are just a lot of opportunities to to be independent um, or or to to gain some independence in that capacity and and benefit a bunch of other people while doing it. I think I think this you know we we've covered the the lockout fairly extensively enough. Sure. Um, so I want to I want your take on something here. Um, from 1964 to 2017, the MLB steals leader tallied at least 50 stolen bases, no matter what. Right? Doesn't matter. Understanding the 2020 exception, this hasn't happened since uh, 27 since since then. All right, from 2017 right. onward, understanding the 20, you know, Mondesi. Three full season. Yeah, exactly. Correct. Yeah. Um, and in fact, uh, this year, 2021, teams average less than one stolen base attempt per game. It's first time as long as I can go back that it's ever that's ever happened. So 
we see how you know, and when I talked about this on the on the show last with uh, with Keith Law last week, like as we see this sort of style of baseball. Uh, continue to permeate through front offices. You know, it starts to, it's starting to look more like think tanks than front offices anymore. And I, um, and I, it's pretty clear there's a model on how mm-hmm. to continue in the game now. So here's my question: as a guy who the stolen base is my favorite play in all of baseball, um, are we are these days truly numbered, or do you think this is some? Because we are in unprecedented areas here. Mm-hmm. Um, or are, do you think this is more of a cyclical type of thing where maybe we could see a reemergence of the style of play? I think if we're going to see a reemergence, it's going to take kind of external pressure, um, on, on the league. And I think the league is looking at some of this. I mean, one of the things that, that they're looking at, that they tested in the minors if they not to go back to labor stuff, but, but introduced into the labor conversation, last week was uh, larger bases. Right. And, and some of that's a safety issue, uh, just giving a little more clearance to guys who are over the bag or behind the bag, not getting slid into. Uh, but some of that is also to, well, it's not much, right? But it is, it is a lot of these are bang, bang plays. Right. And it is, you know, there is an enhancement to uh, to stolen bases there. I think the problem is it's, it's a little bit like the two-point shot, you know, two-point jump shot uh, away from the rim in, in basketball, the mid-range jumper. Right. Uh, or especially the long two. It's just not efficient in a lot of ways. And and I think I'd be interested to see, you know, you, you said 1964 to 2017. Uh, I, bet, I bet the efficiency rate has climbed uh, over, you know, over that span significantly. Yeah. Uh, the, the reality is it's just not an efficient way to do, you know, there's, you know, people figured out the break even point uh, a, a while back on, on whether it was worth it, what rate you had to do it. And I think there are, I think there are similarities, like I said, to the NBA and, and three point shooting. And it, it's just said, like, if you can't do it at this rate, you don't do it at all. And, um, and there are some guys who exploit that in the NBA, for example, I know DeMar DeRozan said, I, I know I'm automatic in this space and, and people don't guard it as much because they're looking for the three or they're looking and, and, and there are going to be exceptions for guys like that, but I don't think you're going to see enough of those guys to kind of force a, a, a shift in the overall dynamic. Um, I think, you know, again, you can probably run into uh, some guys who can run really well and, um, even at a high clip. But the other part of it is, I think, again, looking at how teams treat guys and, and want to keep them fresh is that it's hard on, it's hard on guys' legs ultimately. And I think a lot of these guys, you know, even if they're at uh, 25 or, or 30 stolen bases closer to the midpoint in the season, you, you do see a drop off later because they're tired. Right. Uh, it's, it's a long season and the wear and tear that, that these guys go through are, are uh, substantial. And I don't, not, not to go off on a, uh, a rant or anything like that, but I don't know that people really appreciate it. I, you know, looking back at the sticky stuff ban in, in June or crackdown or whatever you want to call it uh, in June of last year, I don't know if you remember, there was a clip of uh, Hunter Harvey before he was coming into a game, someone came up in the, in the bullpen, he had his arm up and they, they put something under his Jersey kind of like right in the, yeah, I remember that. in the back uh, and people made a big deal about, Oh, he's doing something like no one would notice him going under his shirt <laughs> yeah. to his armpit on the mound. Uh, that's the, I know it's the Orioles, but that would be the worst yeah, plan no. of all time. I'm sure John um, boy retweet, retweeted it and it became a thing. I don't know. Uh, but, but you know what that is, is like, if you, if you've, if you've had, you know, the, the luck of talking to a player or a reliever, you know, you, these guys, they put icy hot or they put, you know, Ben gay or tiger bomb or whatever. They're pitching in pain 
yeah. constantly. Right. And they're just looking for a lot of them are putting stuff you've ever read the stuff that Sandy Koufax did to pitch through his pain. It was, <laughs> it was essentially like he set his arm on fire so that it was already in a state that he couldn't feel the pain and it wouldn't interrupt his motion or, or things like that. And these look, it's not always that dramatic. I don't mean to be really dramatic about it, but these guys are, are banged up. No, no one is healthy by August. And so I, I just think, you know, add that on to all of the other front office machinations and, and the efficiency, uh, you know, the, the, the hyper-focus and obsession on efficiency and things like that. And I think unless you change, again, like base size, base path length, uh, pickoff rules, again, which they've tested in the minors, things like that, unless you fiddle with those, it's very unlikely to get kind of, uh, you know, that, that level of, of uh, running in the game again. Right. It doesn't matter how big you make the bases, bases, you know, there, if, uh, Angel Hernandez or CB Buckner are out there calling it, <laughs> I don't know. Well, and here's, here's the other part. Don't, you know, the, the replay system I think has to change because if you yeah. top slide and you're off the bag for a quarter, you know, a millisecond, these guys call you out. And I understand you are off the bag and there's a tag on and all of that. But you know, for me, that's just not what replay was. Well, for. It's like principle and practice, right? I mean, exactly. and, and then yeah. they don't well, get it right. Yeah. I mean, Alec bone still hasn't touched home plate. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, right. It's, Absolutely. it's what it's, it's a principle and practice thing. And I don't, and I think again, this sort of speaks back to the earlier part. It just sort of shows you sometimes how out of touch this whole process is, because I think if you polled, in that game, okay, where the Alec Bohm thing was just so egregious, but if you if you watch that little pop up right there, and mm-hmm. if you and if the umpire said, okay, I'm going to call this for your team for for your team, I'm gonna call them out, but the same thing happens to you, I'm going to call you out. I think everyone no would agree. Yeah, everyone would agree. Like, oh, whoa, whoa, hey, now, like, let's let's take a step back there, Angel. Like, let's let's talk about this. Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting. I. I uh, I'm a I'm a tennis fan as well, and you know they use Hawk, Hawkeye in tennis. They use it as their replay thing, but it it it's a recreation, right? Right. It's a physical, it's a uh, physics simulation of what, and you know sometimes they they zoom in and they zoom in again, and it's like, you know, I can't even an infinitesimal uh, amount of space in between the line and and where their projection of the shot went, and right. everyone just says okay. And moves on because I understand like it's just, you know, it's not worth doing and and it would be impossible to do by real uh, replay, you know, by cameras. They're they're just not tracking that stuff at a a close enough level. And I think I kind of just think like that would be so much better if if you just, you know, if you ran a replay and I understand you having someone running and and, and there are multiple parts in baseball that can be complicated, but I'm just saying that even the theory of that, that just says like, you know, okay, something happens and we, everyone just accepts the answer and moves on uh, is better than trying to figure out what actually happened in these things, because it's too hard to tell a lot of time. And it's just not meant to be looked at that you know, at that level of grade. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of like, uh, Brandon McCarthy said this wonderful, that my all time favorite tweet about football ever was when Brandon McCarthy said something about the catch rule. I think it was a Cowboys game or something like that. Uh, and he said, you know, he didn't accept the ball into his heart. Therefore, you know, <laughs> it's no, not no catch. And it, it just, I, I, you know, I've drifted away from the NFL over the years, but like I, I, you know, I, I moved back up into the Philly area where my my native Eagles are, 
And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm watching it and I watched a catch get overturned one time. And I just remember thinking like, you have got to be shitting me. Like, and, th- and this is true across all sports. Cause I, I see the tennis stuff too. And I'm like, you come on guys. Like I get it. You can want to blame the machine instead of the person. And, and that's okay. Like I kind of get that. Right. You know, but like, man, robo umps are going to be an adventure, <laughs> you know, when, when, yeah, cause well, I think I they're mean, going to triple A this year. And that's for the. And, and that's for, you know, balls and strikes. And I do think you could model essentially, you know, if someone wanted to have a challenge, you know, a Hawkeye challenge and say, like, I don't think that caught the zone and, it, you know, redo it, whatever. Uh, I frankly think that that would be uh, that would be fine. But, I, I you know, it's it's obviously much harder when there are so many more moving parts and, and right. people in that in the actual situation. And and I get that. Um, I really do. But I, I guess I just need to use it as an example to say, like, there's there's an there's a level of of just acceptance from from the players that when the replay thing runs, they they probably disagree, but they know that that's the final answer and that's it. And I think there's a lot more ambiguity introduced by looking, you know, by going to this replay center, these people who aren't, you know, <laughs> at the game, who aren't there. And, and uh, it, it, it's, it's just as constructed. I, I just don't think it works. And I think a lot of it is because it operates by the letter of the law rather than the spirit of the law. And, and frankly, like, I think, you know, these challenges where someone came off the bag for a split second as they, you know, one foot departed, but the next one, you know, is yet to catch on to the bag or whatever. Uh, like, I just think umpires should not allow that to be, repl- you know, they right. say, no. yeah. like, I'm not granting your replay. I'm sorry. Like, no, right. We're moving on. <laughs> and that could, and look, I understand advocating for putting more, uh, more power at the discretion of the umpires uh, is not it's not where i want to be uh you know to your point about angel hernandez and, and some of these other guys like it's not it's not a good look for me right. uh, but i kind of feel like it's a better answer than than what we're dealing with at the moment so so let me ask you this in you know uh, just a quick like random hypothetical i wrote about this like a year and a half ago and uh, of course uh reddit got a hold of it and therefore i'm i'm no longer allowed back in that establishment but <laughs> Kidding. I'm a white guy. I'm good. Um, so my, my thing was my, I made the case that, uh, if given the choice, Armando Galarraga's perfect game, I wouldn't redo it. Okay. Your, your, your thoughts, if given the same thing, like, Hey, you Joyce, you blew the call. You kicked it as you, as he so eloquently said, do you, do you, or do you give it, do you give it back to him or do you leave it how it is? Cause I think it's an important, I think Armando Galarraga and that moment is much more remembered for what it brought forth than, than, uh, than if we had, if he had gotten it right or reversed it. Um, I, I won't disagree that it, it was, uh, that it's probably more remembered because it was blown. Um, but I think if I'm, I, I, I yeah, I would undo, I, I would redo yeah. it. I, I would, I would, because I think, I think it's a, uh, it's a very limited group of people that have ever actually had a, had a perfect game. And you're right that he probably wouldn't be one of the more remembered ones or anything like that, but he would always have it on his, his, uh, you know, list of accomplishments. And the reality is even if he essentially can claim it, he can't really claim it. Right. He's not in those record books. And at some point, you and I aren't going to be here. Right. And the record books will, uh, unless they, they burn up in, you know, in an environmental disaster or something <laughs> like that. And 
and he will be remembered in that capacity. Uh, and I think our memories of of his injustice will fade. I, you know, I, I do wonder. I mean, look, there there are some bad calls that remain, obviously, uh, present. You know, down through the generations uh, with like Bankinger and, and things like that. But I can't. I'm yeah, I I'm know. insulted. You didn't just say Eric Gregg, but well, that's fine. <laughs> sure, that's sure, fine. Sure. You know, I was thinking calls at first base. <laughs> I, you know, but but uh, you know, there's the the one is a, I'm a I'm a Dodger fan. One that always sticks in my head is Todd Helton being about a foot off the bag. Oh god, stretching, was... and the guy pumping him out in the back in the background. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I I think. Um, yeah, I, I I think it's uh, I I would redo that. Yeah, right. I, I have to but it's that. not an e- but it's not an easy. An- I don't I don't think it's an I don't think it's as open and shut as like oh he deserved you know he he well, I think I, he clearly did he clearly I think it's did. what your goal is right. right like do you, do you are you trying to to make him more remembered or or you know put his accomplishments in in right context? no I mean, no and, and I think depending on what you want it's reasonable to to. I, I agree. Yeah, I, th- I think the cultural, I think the cultural impact versus the tangible accomplishment, notable of the accomplishment. I, I'm not saying that I'm staunch on this side. I think it was, sure. it's more of a devil's advocate type of viewpoint. But that being said, I still think it's not as binary an issue. I think there is some 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 gray area there. But but yeah, that's just like you know, it just popped into my head when we were talking about Robo Umps and and you know the fact that Joe West is no longer going to be waddling across the baselines and all of that in our future. And uh, so anyway, uh, I wanted so I listen. I I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, you know, baseball prospectus uh, the. In my opinion, one of the gold standards out there in uh, in actually reporting and analyzing the game. Appreciate all the work that you do, my friend. Thank you so much. Uh, I it was a pleasure. You know, it's a pleasure to be here, and uh, I really appreciate the kind words. It's it's uh, it goes a long way. <laughs> well, thanks again. <laughs> <laughs>